Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. Hey, we're recording the podcast. Shut up. Good morning to you wherever you are because it is morning somewhere for February 5th, 2024. My name is Bernie Burns. Joining me once again back in the studio is a woman who was featured no less than 15 times during the <laughs> AFC Championship game. Say hello to Ashley. I missed you too. This is Monday. Now, normally, first of all, I want to say thank you to our first ever morning someone who was Eric Vespi on Friday. Uh, we're now going to do our follow-ups that we normally do on Friday. We're going to do on Monday instead. The first one I have to do is following up on some of the clues that we dropped. One is uh, the first time was, I think, when we were talking about George Carlin. Uh, I said that that was relevant to that person. That's very obscure, though. I don't think most people would know his first ever interview at about 14 years of age would have been George Carlin, the epic, legendary comedian. Uh, the other one was we talked about a uh, breaking a streak. The Stephen King book, The Long Walk. If you walk under three miles an hour, you get hit with a warning. But if you can keep up a streak of three miles an hour for the next hour, then you can erase one of your warnings, which, of course, then leads to you not getting shot. So. Aside, I was going to say, aside from not getting shot, it would be nice if you could keep your streak alive for three days and it would repair it. Especially one that you've had for like, you know, a thousand days or whatever. Yeah, right. Like like double double your move goal the next day or, or you know, something like that would be nice. Did you see that somebody in the subreddit uh, was went and checked their streak and they didn't realize they had lost it like last month and they lost a 1,200 day streak or something like that? Yeah, that sucks. So Ashley, I have to say the drop that I played at the start of this was my all time favorite drop. Whenever we were doing our test shows, the, we got them drop. And I have to say this was the best time to possibly use it because <laughs> I don't know if you have read the news, but the big dumb monkey that has been <laughs> on an incredible journey is now back exactly where he started. When we first found out about him, of course, I'm talking about Shane Gillis hosting SNL. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, so many world events tied together. Yeah, I, 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 we want to talk about the monkey in Scotland, but I do want to talk about the Shane Gillis thing first, if that's okay with you. Yeah. So the what I know is that Shane Gillis uh, was originally like he um, a couple years ago was like cast on NSL, but uh, SNL, but immediately dropped because uh, I think a it bunch was of hours like, tweets and uh, within hours uh, and before any appearances, anyway. Uh, you know, just like, you know, old comments re, uh, resurfaced and SNL just immediately dropped him. And now he's back as as host. Yeah, it's about five years later. He's now back and hosting the show because, I mean, arguably that firing or it put him on the map for so many people, me included. I had never heard of Shane Gillis before, but if I'm being totally honest, too, his career took off after that. And then I went yeah. back and later associated him with that event. I didn't actually like discover him from the SNL firing and then start following him because of it. But it was something that kind of launched him into the limelight, probably got him some views. And then a few years later, probably myself included, a lot of people started tracking him because he was doing so well with specials and things like that. Right. Like it kicked his momentum up a notch and then it continued upward from there. Yeah. And let me see here. This is from an article from September 18th, 2019, Doha Madani was writing Saturday Night Live dropped new cast member Shane Gillis Monday after a video circulated of the comedian using an Asian slur and making homophobic jokes during an episode of his podcast. It's interesting because when you read about it now, it talks about like the Variety article that was about him coming back and hosting said that he made 
Islamophobic, misogynistic, racist, and homophobic jokes. At the time, the conversation was very much about the jokes he was making about Asian people and the slurs and the accent. And in particular, he was talking about food in Chinatown. I grew up around a lot of Asian kids. Um, my mother was an English as a second language teacher for uh, mostly kids who were from Southeast Asia. And sometimes it's hard to know like how much, how triggering, for lack of a better term, it could be for people who grew up Asian in America to know, like to talk about food specifically, because, you know, you're in the lunchroom, kids open their lunch and the other kids go, ew, what's that? Because they don't recognize it because people eat different things at the same time. And this is going to sound super cynical. It does feel like this was one of the two weeks in the last generation where America decided to address the way it treats its Asian people. And I think a lot of that fell on Shane Gillis. The other strange thing about it is um, on the flip side of the coin, him coming back after four and a half years and now hosting SNL. He's kind of in this group of comedians that are edgy and pushing boundaries. He's now going to become the poster boy for the anti cancel culture movement that the cancel culture doesn't exist. Cause here he is hosting the show that he was fired from less than five years later. Right. You mean like the, the ongoing trend of, of people talking about how uh, everyone's trying to cancel them on like some, uh, interview on a broadcast television network with millions of viewers, that kind of thing, as they're promoting their best-selling book about how they got canceled. But in my opinion, he absolutely was canceled. He had to go back on his own, put in a bunch of work. Uh, he made his own comedy special live in Austin. That was on YouTube. We had a really great response from that and then had Beautiful Dogs, which came out on Netflix. So he put in the work. He just didn't change what he was doing, really. And the thing about it, too, I might sound cynical by saying that was this was only a week that we focused on this. The reason why I feel like that's the case is if you look very specifically at this moment where SNL is now inviting him to host the show, nothing has changed. There's been nothing. What has happened in society? Shane Gillis did not apologize. He even took a shot at SNL, said he respected their decision, but that he was more of a mad TV guy anyway. <laughs> and, and maybe you've seen, uh, you know, different clips of his uh, stand-up than I have, but uh, he does seem to go for the um, sort of stepping on people's comfort levels. You know, the the one of the only ones that I've seen um, of him was talking about how um, guys with Down syndrome love two things. Um, <laughs> boobs and John Cena. He's definitely edgy, but he also is uh, someone who's like lives with people uh, with Down syndrome. He's got people in his family. He's got himself a really funny bit where he says he realizes he looks like someone who was not, you know, hit by Down syndrome, but was kind of nicked and it got by him that <laughs> <laughs> he escaped. Um, he's, he's a really funny guy, um, but he, he never apologized for it. You know, he, he stuck to his guns for whatever that's worth. So nothing's changed. In the overall conversation, there's been no major event. There's been nothing to change. So, so why is it more acceptable? Why is it for, appropriate now if it wasn't? Right, right. And it's like, it's just time has moved on. And I guess we're not so concerned about this thing anymore, which I, I find interesting. And a lot of people who, you know, call themselves Shane Gillis fans are being kind of brutal and saying he should not accept, he should not do this. He should absolutely accept and do it. How as a comedian could you possibly pass up that monologue. I mean, you, you couldn't do that. You, just when he walks out on stage, the first 10 seconds of that monologue are going to be absolutely hilarious and awkward. It would be like a comedian's dream. 
Right. Absolutely. And especially, you know, like for for him, it's like a really good career story. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So anybody saying that he should not accept the invitation, I think is being absolutely ridiculous. You know, he doesn't owe anybody that coolness. You know what I mean? Where it's like, oh, be so badass if you just said fuck you and didn't do it. He doesn't owe that to anybody. It, look, it's He's really already been easy. down at the bottom. It's really easy to be like, they should just turn down SNL when you're not the one being invited to SNL. <laughs> yeah. Or like, I got to turn down my own, basically my redemption arc, my fuck you arc. I got to turn that down for you so I seem cool for you if anything put it on SNL right I mean what you guys were the guys that fired him you're on your high horse saying oh we can't have this guy on here meanwhile if you look back at the own history of SNL like John Belushi dressed as a samurai you know and that kind of thing I'm sure they're still marketing and selling and profiting from all that stuff so if anything it's on them and not on him I do think it's interesting though because it just shows like I mean this is back far back as 2019 I just listened to an interview with Tina Fey where uh, they were asking her, I think it was on Smartless. Uh, it's an older interview, uh, but they were asking her, like, what would you do to get an SNL? And in her day, it was all the groundlings and the improv troops, you know, from the major performing centers like Chicago, New York, and LA. Yeah, Chicago's got like a really, like a really prestigious like improv scene, doesn't it? Yeah, it's the second city group. There was a, do you remember as a kid, SCTV? No, I don't. Okay, so that was Second City TV. It was kind of like well, it's kind of like Mad TV, okay. but in the '80s, and it, it was like a knockoff of Center Live, or maybe not knockoff, but a competitor to it. But some really, really famous people came out of it, like uh, Catherine O'Hara, uh, Eugene Levy, Rick Moranis. I want to say John Candy was on there as well, but maybe he wasn't. Maybe I'm conflating him with like the Strange Brew guys. Okay. Um, but some really heavy hitters came out of it, but it itself was not this incredible thing. And there was some other sketch comedy shows over the years, like uh, Friday, um, or maybe it was called Fridays. Uh, that one had an infamous thing where Andy Kaufman completely derailed the show, and and the guy who played Kramer, Michael Richards from Seinfeld, he was on that one. The only um, the only improv or sketch shows that I think I was ever really familiar with, keeping in mind I didn't have um, a lot of TV as a kid, were, so there was SNL, there was in Living Color? Oh, In Living Color. I'd forgotten about that. I think Jennifer Lopez started as one of the fly girls on there, didn't she? Really? I I only know about In Living Color because isn't that where, um, oh God, Ace Ventura came from? Yeah, that's uh, Jim Carrey was on there. The Wayans brothers were on there as well. Weirdly, they had like a dance troupe that would come out and dance um, at, at halftime. That's for a sketch love comedy it. show. Love it. Yeah. Who, who doesn't love a, a people doing dropping sick dances? Images of fly girl Jennifer Lopez in living color. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. So this was, you talk about crazy amounts of people that are in there. So in living color created by Keenan Ivory Wayans and launched in 1990. The original cast included Wayans family members, Kim, Damon, and Sean, along with Tommy Davidson, Jim Carrey, David Allen Greer, and Kelly Cofield. Uh, Jennifer Lopez went from a fly girl which was the, the dance troupe, to a megastar. Uh, they say that Rosie Perez, yeah, she was also one of the Fly Girls. Yeah, okay, wow. God, that's that's insane. It's amazing. These, th- these shows are incredibly impactful in launching people's careers. And I know entertainment was different back then, but it looks like a middle schooler would make something of that quality today. And they do all the time on social media, which is what Tina Fey was saying was the main pathway to SNL now is she would just make a TikTok. Oh, interesting. I mean, that's it does seem yeah. like it's how a lot of comedians either like workshop bits or like test like the idea of jokes and see what people respond to. And it's, you know, or, and also it seems like how a lot of people now consume is like, you know, 
someone does a stand-up special and people will consume it on TikTok or Instagram or, or whatever, you know, a 30 seconds to a minute at a time. So many people now for, from SNL are starting to come from the internet. Like even going back to college humor days, uh, when Sarah Schneider, one of the hardly working crew, when she and a few other people left college humor, she ended up as the head writer for a season or two on SNL. That was Tina Fey's job before yeah. her. Yeah. Wow. And uh, Streeter Seidel, who was also on Hardly Working, he's a writer for SNL. I believe he's still writing there. He wrote the uh, David Pumpkins sketch. Okay. Wow. That's one of their more famous sketches. I can't remember. What's David Pumpkins middle name? S. David S. Pumpkin. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he wrote that with Mikey Day. And Mikey Day, who's been a longtime member of uh, SNL, he was the guy from the David Blainlet, the Cheez-Its Cheez-Its. Remember Cheez-its. That, that one? Cheez-Its. Fuck. What did you want? Cheez-Its. 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 <laughs> it was, it was, there was a parody of uh, David Blaine's Street Magician where he would basically hold these two guys hostage <laughs> while <laughs> he performed tricks on them and they couldn't possibly get away from it. And Mikey Day was one of those guys. Got it. And then before him, uh, the, the two guys from um, Good Neighbor, uh, Kyle Mooney and Beck Bennett. They were both internet guys as well. So, it, you know, it was a, it's been a long history now. People coming from the internet over to SNL and, uh, well, and, and not just SNL, but, but comedy in general, like Donald Glover is from uh, the same internet group that, uh, Kimmy Schmidt's from. Yeah. They're, they're from Derek comedy. Yeah. And it's funny because Shane Gillis, who's getting, you know, is he hosting this week or is it, it's an upcoming, they announced it this week. I don't know when exactly he's hosting, but he has, he's got an incredible Trump impression. But the guy who currently does uh, the Trump impression for them, remember, he came from TikTok. Look, you do a good enough Trump impression, you're you're set. Um, Shane Gillis is hosting on the 24th of February. You know what's interesting about that? I just realized. Do you remember who used to do the Trump impression before it was this guy? What's his name? Uh, yeah, it's the uh, Alec Baldwin. Yeah, Alec Baldwin. Yeah. I wonder, did he lose it because of everything that's going on with him and the Rust shooting? Um, I think he stepped away from it because they just they weren't doing Trump sketches every week after he wasn't the president anymore. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Did you see, by the way, he got indicted again? So um, it looks like, oddly enough, charges... So, so charges were dropped last April, but then he got charged for the second time with manslaughter, um, and he's just um, pled not guilty for that. So this whole thing is kind of a shit show. No way to talk about it in a funny way. It's just a, it's, it's, it's a fucking tragedy, you know? And I think I told the story years ago where I learned to take gun safety very seriously uh, at a young age, but then also on set, I learned to take it very seriously as well. And it's not just guns either. There's a lot of stuff on movie sets. That's really dangerous. Um, one of the most dangerous things that I did uh, when I was acting in movies was drive a car and the way they treat a moving car on a set, at least our safety people, it was insane what you had to do when you started the car, stopped the car, turned off the car. And even when the car was parked somewhere, we had to put the, the keys for the car on the hood so that they couldn't possibly be used to start the car and move it. And you think about that amount of effort going into making a car safe, how the hell does someone accidentally load a prop gun with real ammunition and then later in that day or in that week, hand it to an actor on set? It's fucking crazy. Yeah, well, and it sounds, I mean, you know, from, I don't know a lot about how sets work, but um, from the explanations that I have seen is, it's like they were sometimes taking guns from the set and then like firing them at the range or something, which sounds like something that yeah. you're really not supposed to do. Uh, you know, just common sense. And um, also that there's 
uh, supposed to be really specific um, handoffs. Like only like only the armorer should ever handle the weapons. They hand it to the actor. They give like every single time they hand it over, they give them a safety briefing. They show them how it cannot be fired and it's completely safe. Um, they take it back at the end of like every take and it has to be done exactly the same basically every single time. Um, and in this case, basically procedures the way they're normally done weren't really followed. And that as as an actor, as you know, the person who unfortunately fired the gun, he's not really being held responsible because he would in that case have been relying on the expertise of the armors and all that stuff. But they're trying to get him on it because he was a producer. Right, right. It, you know, and that's uh, I think that's legitimate, actually, because he would have been one of the people responsible for the safety on the set. And if he can show that he hired the right people and did his due diligence and the whole team did, then. You know, that's going to be an important thing. Could also, in long term, have huge effects on the way that major stars are credited in movies because, I'll be honest, I think a lot of them sometimes get production credits because what happens is their participation in the movie when it's being developed is one of the things that greenlights it. So they learn to ask for a higher level of credit, but a higher level of credit then also comes with a higher level of accountability and responsibility. Yeah. And that might be something people are more careful of in the future. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, it's really unfortunate all around. Yeah. It's one of those things too. And it's like, I don't know who's going after him. It doesn't seem like it's a lawsuit from the, you know, the family of the cinematographer who was killed. Yeah. It seems like it's the state government who's trying to do it. Who's really pushing it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shame. All right. Well, you know, what doesn't clearly have as robust of handling procedures as a gun on set and that's oh, a boy, scottish monkey <laughs> not yeah. speaking of we got him <laughs> last we week we him. talked <laughs> we talked about the japanese uh, macaque that uh that escaped into the scottish highlands and uh guess what he's been found uh, he was staring in a lady's window <laughs> and she uh, was that what he was doing my cock was looking in somebody's window <laughs> wow yeah. um his name by the way is, he has a name thank you it's hancho hanshu <laughs> hanshu yeah his name is hanshu angus hanshu uh the uh, macaque's <laughs> name is hanshu um and so he uh don't yeah. forget though ashley it's going to be a scottish pronunciation of hanshu so it's probably hanshoosh <laughs> and, uh, and they uh so it it took a lot they had to um trank him to to get him down as uh, as sometimes happens i guess he'd been out for more than four hours <laughs> <laughs> yeah i have here a blurb can i read this blurb here please do yeah it says that scottish authorities took two big handfuls of macaque and tugged <laughs> him off back to where he belonged <laughs> So all is right in the world. It does say he might have escaped because um, I guess uh, he's he's from a like a group of macaques in this uh, in this uh, nature reserve, and it's uh, it's mating season, and uh, tensions are running high, uh, and so he may have just oh the uh, jokes write themselves out. at this point. <laughs> but um, happy ending. He's he's back home. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, the the last thing I wanted to follow up on is um, is Spotify. Last week we talked about so the 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 playlist, the weird playlist names they have. Yeah, turns out they get better. So just about everyone has a playlist called Goblin Core, and yet none of us know what Goblin Core actually means. However, there's another list, Bernie. It, the name of it changes throughout the day, every day, based on what you listen to at that time 
of that day of the week. Which list is that? So if you uh, if you go into Spotify, go to search and just search day, there's something called a day list and the name changes um, through, you know, throughout the day. It'll be like, you listen to this kind of music, so here's this kind of music. So I'm going to give you a couple of my names. I had Nerdy Soundtrack Thursday, Amazed Birds Early Morning, Pump Up Hockey Morning, Wistful Fairy Core Friday Afternoon, <laughs> Fairy Core Goblin Core Friday Afternoon, Confidence Complex Evening, Venting Downtown Vibes Night. I said, this is the stupidest names. A Mage Storm Sunday Morning and a Fearful Dark Sunday Evening. Those are just some of my playlist names over the, 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 the weekend. And I got to be honest, I've been listening to this playlist pretty much since I found out about it. And it's, it's been great. Spotify does know everything about me. Mine is a don't look out your window. There's a monkey staring at you. Playlist. <laughs> That's really fucking weird. <laughs> Spotify, just tell us what Goblin Core means. Yeah, just please just explain to us what Goblin Core is. What is this? Your wife is cheating on you? Afternoon? <laughs> what is that? With Han Shu. All right. Well, that does it for us today. February 5th, 2024. We will be back to talk to you tomorrow. We hope you'll be here as well. Bye, everybody. <laughs>